Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Odell Beckham Jr. He needed redemption. He got it. Drops some passes in the Super Bowl with the sorry in the playoff, the only playoff game with the Giants. He didn't drop it in the in the Super Bowl. He caught the first touchdown, but he was injured in that game, and now looks like he could be facing his second ACL recovery in less than two years. This is Keyshawn J. Willemax presented by Progressive Insurance. Mike Tannenbaum's now with us. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, gentlemen. How you doing? Good, man. How you been? Doing good, MT. Hey, Mike, do you think that given their situation with no draft picks until the year 3000, given their cap issues, now Odell is a free agent and the ACL, the whole thing, can this team go back-to-back possibly? Absolutely, and here's how they do it. They have to take a page from Tom Bray and the Buccaneers. It starts with Matt Stafford. If he takes a little bit less, starts at the top, then – if some of those stars just leave a little money on the table, then they could try to figure out a way to keep the Von Millers and the OBJs. Because I agree, to me, OBJ, as much as they have other firepower, most notably with Cooper Cup, they're a different offense. I mean, certainly statistically that was bore out, but when you watch the game, they are much harder to defend with OBJ. And I think having him and Von Miller back is hugely consequential for them to repeat. Yeah, key. I mean, with Odell, they had two number ones on the field, really. And and that's even without Robert Woods, who's a do-everything football player playing the position. Very different with Odell. Yeah, and, and Mike, the thing is, they, they certainly can run it back. It may not be – you know, look, th- this group got a three-year window, right? Right now, the clock on a three-year window. They won, so they got another three years to kind of – mix and match and put pieces together. OBJ, whatever the injury is, he's coming back off of. We don't know where he'll be. Robert Woods coming back off an injury. We don't know where he'll be. But I think they still got enough. Von Miller, look, Von Miller likes playing in L.A. He's not chasing money, okay? He's chasing more rings is all he wants to do. And so when you look at that, they get Higby back. They sure up that left side of the line, try to figure out what to do with Whitworth get some more help in the secondary. I think that'll be a plus for them outside of Jalen Ramsey. And they'll be in the mix along with about five other good teams in the AFC and the NFC to make a strong push to get back to the Super Bowl. Jay, you want to hear what Sean McVay, he happens to be the Rams head coach in case you haven't oh, heard about it, never heard of had him. to say uh, at the Monday press conference on Odell's injury? Yes. Let's, let's hear it. Here it is, Sean McVay, Rams head coach. It was heartbreaking to see that because how much that, you know, just to be able to get to that moment, and he had really made an impact with those two catches that were huge plays. I think he was in line to have a big game, but um, it did change some things, you know, because then they could really hone in on Cooper a lot more. Guys inevitably stepped up, as did Cooper and Matthew and when we had to have it the most, but it uh, it made it a little bit more difficult. My heart goes out to him, but... Uh, love, love Odell, really grateful for all the many contributions he made. We wouldn't be chance without him. Mike, with, with that being said on OBJ from Sean McVay, 
from a guy who's had experience in you know negotiating contracts, like what would be the best advice that you would have for OBJ in this type of situation, considering second ACL terror in the last two years? Come back to us, invest in a year, let's get you healthy, let's put you on the biggest stage in the world, let's go back-to-back, and then in 2023, you could crush it as the number one receiver. He's still young enough where he could have enough meaningful years, so we'll, we have great doctors, we got great rehab, we got a great system, you really gel well with this group of guys, and we could highlight you, and I agree with what Sean said, which is, they probably don't win a championship without him. I mean, we could talk about... Jalen Ramsey and Matt Stafford, you know, those are meaningful pieces, but give the Rams credit. They kept going. You know, they added Von Miller. And again, with Robert Woods being hurt, Higby being out, once OBJ got hurt, that was a pedestrian offense. And credit Cup and Stafford for making plays on that last drive. But as much as OBJ needs the Rams, when you watch them, the Rams need OBJ as well. Okay, if that's from the yeah, team side, what would your advice be to OBJ, like from his perspective, if you were his player agent? Yeah, I would just say, hey, the race is long, a long, great future in L.A. field, but off the field, and you know, L.A. is an incredible platforming community, and there's hey, Mike, a lot of things you could do on the field and off. Sorry, yeah. Mike, you were breaking up a little bit. Could you repeat that? Yeah, no, I was just saying, like, not only on the field, there's so many things, but off the field, you know, there's incredible platforming community out there, and to me, you can really set yourself up for success post-playing, being in L.A. So I think this is a real win-win, guys. Key, mm. you, um, you know, I, and, and Mike, I, one thing I noticed about Odell, you can see someone, look, these guys get to the league, they're still basically kids, 20, 21, 22 years old, right? Odell, to me, matured through the years. Always a, like a guy his teammates liked, wore his heart on his sleeve, but he matured through the years. And in one way that I saw that show up on the field, like, Tyler Boyd picked the Super Bowl to drop his first pass, right? Because typical reason, he's, his eyes are turning upfield before he secures the ball, right? He's not l- looking it in. When I saw Odell in the Super Bowl, guys, because he dropped a couple passes in the Giants playoff game, one thing I noticed was he wasn't going to drop the ball. He was going to, like, forget about the yak. He was going to make that completion first. To me, it looked like, in that respect, a more mature player who was ready for the moment. It's a shame that it had to end that way in the Super Bowl in that game. But as you said, Mike, maybe they never even get there, let alone even win the game, given his contributions early in that game. Well, I would say... Oh, know, I don't think there's any question about it. He... We're on a slight delay with, with Mike. Go ahead, uh, go ahead, Mike, and then Key is going to follow you. Yeah, no, I was just agreeing with you guys, which is there's no question about it. They're much more difficult to defend without OBJ because Cup's going to get all the coverage. So to me, he's a real force multiplier, not only what he does, but the opportunities he creates for others. Yeah, I I look at um, OBJ's tenure with the Giants and his playoffs. He was a young player, uh, dropped some balls, first playoff game. Uh, But I wouldn't expect a guy who is now in his – eighth year, seventh, eighth year in the National Football League to duplicate what he did in his third, fourth year Mm -hmm. in the National Football League. It just comes with enough games and enough experience to be able to do those sort of things. Uh, I think 
you know, for whatever reason, individuals wanted to tell the narrative and the story about OBJ, and that story was not even the one that we saw in the Super Bowl or in the playoff run that he had with the Rams. It was something totally different to out make him an outcast, to make him look something different than what he truly is as a player. Uh, even in Cleveland, it was almost like they wanted to follow that New York narrative to Cleveland and couldn't get rid of it. But once he got to L.A., everything changed because of the organization and the head coach and the quarterback and the teammates around him. Mike, uh, as we talk about trying to complete and retool this Rams team to bring people back so they can run it back, I'm curious what your thoughts on how you would handle the Aaron Donald situation. Talks kind of looming before the game that he was thinking about retirement. You know, and whenever I hear retirement, I'm like, oh, this this is a guy, is he getting his value? And when you see T.J. Watt sign that extension for $28 million a year and you recognize that Aaron Donald is the fifth highest defensive player paid-wise in the NFL, considering I thought he should have been the MVP, MVP of the Super Bowl, how, how do you handle that situation? Jay, well, that one's easy, my friend. Whatever you want, we'll take SoFi off the stage. We'll call it Aaron Donald in. We'll, we will name bridges, tunnels, whatever it takes. It's freaking Aaron Donald. This one's easy, guys. Now, you know, Keith, Keith's talking about getting a left tackle like it's going up and down the aisles of Trader Joe's. Like, those things are hard to find, but we could find them. Aaron Donald, are you kidding me? Whatever it takes. He's the most valuable guy after Stan Kroenke. So, you, you get the keys to the franchise, and you just tell us how much it is. Yeah, no, it's not. It Look, Aaron Donald's just being Aaron Donald. He's just talking. It's not about a contract situation with him. And I know we want to go dive into that. Dan Graziano kind of mentioned it earlier. Jay mentioned it now. When you hear something about a retirement, it feels as though it's about the contract. Much like you just said, Mike, it's not, it's not a hard deal. It's not it, – this is not his second contract where they – took a minute to get it done because they had to figure it out, even though they were going to get it done and make him the highest pay. This is an easy deal. Uh, I really think he just wants to take some time off because he's certainly not going to go into the season as a fifth highest paid defensive player in the National Football League. By the time the season starts, he will be by far the highest paid dude in the history of the National Football League on the defensive side of the ball as well as from a cash financial situation, Stan Kroenke got more money than God. So he can write the check at any moment from a guaranteed upfront <laughs> signing bonus money. You know that, uh, Mike. He can give him, you know, he can he can manipulate the guaranteed money anytime he wants to. So, meantime, there is a uh, another situation in the NFC, at least for the moment, Keyshawn J. Willemax, presented by Progressive Insurance. So we'll go from one future Hall of Famer to another. They're willing, ready, and able to do whatever it takes to further entice Aaron Rodgers to remain in Green Bay. Well, I think it's too little too late. The facts are Aaron has never been better professional. Like, he looks the part. I mean, he's, he just won his fourth MVP. What does it feel like to commit to a season that that's what I want to do? And the good thing is I still feel like my body, you know, is in a good place. So, Keyshawn J. Willemax, ESPN Radio, Mike Tannenbaum with us. Um, Packers are willing to go all in for Aaron Rodgers, according to Adam Schefter. That's a page out of the Mike Tannenbaum playbook. You just heard it with Aaron Donald. We'll change the name mm-hmm. of the stadium. Mike T did this with <laughs> Brett Favre. Like, when it comes to a difference maker player, 
at the, usually at the quarterback position, unless it's someone like Aaron Donald, you do whatever it takes. The rules are not the same for everyone. Um, so they want to go all in to, to keep Rodgers, obviously. And look, they drafted Jordan Love, it seems to me, because first year in a new system, Rodgers didn't quite look the same. He was 37 years old. It was unclear. Wait, is this still Aaron Rodgers? Is he adjusting to it? We don't know. And besides, the calendar is what it is. He's 37. Oh, we see a guy we like in the draft. Let's move up and grab him for the future, right? But what does it say about Jordan Love that they are this attached to Rodgers? We know it says that Rodgers is playing at an extraordinarily high level. We get that. But what does it say about Jordan Love? It, it, like, d- d- Mike, is, d- is what I asked earlier in the show, I'm not saying he's a bust. He hasn't really played yet. But because of the effect it had on Aaron Rodgers' relationship with the team, because it does seem to me they don't love Jordan Love if they even like him, is he the worst draft pick ever? <laughs> Mike, just the way question, I get so angry as a former player. Not, not a bust. This is not at Jordan Love. I'm saying given the dynamics of Rodgers and the team, is it the worst draft pick ever? Yeah. Look, I can't say that, but here's what I can say, because ironically, I was the one dealing with the Packers when we traded for Favre, which is this. They knew they were sitting on greatness with Aaron Rodgers, and they were done with Favre at that time. He was pissed at them. They were pissed at him, and it was just heading for a divorce. And they were like, hey, we're good. We got this guy, Aaron Rodgers. Clearly, that's not the case here. But let's be fair to Jordan Love here. Like, he's been on campus for about 10 minutes We've been through a pandemic. We know that the quarterback position takes a minute. So I'm sure they have real concerns about Jordan Love. But to say that he's the biggest bust of all time, I I think that's a bit much sitting here knowing that he really hasn't played yet. Thank you, Mike. And that's that. When we had this conversation yesterday, I I felt the same way as you. And I echo your sentiments. It's, you know, sometimes when organizations miscalculate that puts so much pressure on a player, especially when you're following up Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you're talking about a guy, how many times he's won MVP. The level that he's playing at this year, in the midst of all the chaos, it just feels like there's really not an opportunity for Jordan Love. I'm not saying that Jordan Love you know, isn't the answer or that he is the answer. All I'm saying is you don't get a chance to really ease into a situation when there's pressure like that on Aaron Rodgers. And I kind of feel like they got the selection right sometimes – Organizations, you know, is they don't always bat. You know, they don't always shoot 100 percent from the field. Mm. Yeah, you you think about the situation, and you alluded to it, uh, Mike, that Brett Favre was tinkering in and out of the lineup. He was playing games with them. Oh, I want to get one. Well, I'm in Mississippi. I'm gonna go hunting. I don't know one day. And oh, we will decide. Ah, I'm gonna do a Wrangler commercial. I don't want to play. Ah, I want to play. And to the point where the late Ted Thompson at the time, the general manager of the team, was like, the train is moving on. Had he said, I'm all in, I'm playing, Favre would have still been, I mean, uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers would have still been waiting. Jordan Love hasn't given, has have not had the opportunity to give them anything to look at. He doesn't take regular snaps in practice because you got the number one guy. The one time he played against the Kansas City Chiefs, he was mixed reviews. He was okay. He wasn't great. He wasn't good. He wasn't bad. He just was a guy with a jersey on. I think the best thing for them to do and for Aaron Rodgers to do is give him what he wants, beg him to come back, and go try to win a championship. And when Jordan Love's time is there, he'll be ready to go. 
Key, I would just add one thing to what you just said. I would beg Aaron Rodgers, cajole, probably some other verbs, you know, overpay, whatever it would take. Uh, but the other thing I would do is I would try to develop Jordan Love. And here's the other thing, guys. I draft another one. You and when you look around the league and what happened last year with all the injuries to so many different quarterbacks, the difference may be who has the most depth. And to me, bring uh, Jordan Love back, keep developing him, but go draft another guy. You know, maybe it's Malik Willis if he falls, you know, into the 20s in the draft. Like, draft the quarterback with the highest upside, and that's why you have Matt LaFleur. You have Matt LaFleur, who's a great offensive coach, who's developed quarterbacks, and I keep adding to that sort of depth. And that's what the Packers did for decades, by the way. You know, they had Hasselbeck and Aaron, uh, and look, that's the mindset they used to draft Aaron Rodgers. Mark Brunel was another guy that came through there. So, to me... If I'm the Packers, I am scouring for Aaron Rodgers' replacement because if they're fortunate enough guys to get him back for this year, they are truly in a year-to-year situation with him. Yeah, I mean, I, I look, I, I don't want to be too rough on Jordan Love. It is, I'll just say it. It is obvious to me they don't think a lot of him. If they thought a lot of Jordan Love, if they thought that, that Jordan Love was the Aaron Rodgers to Aaron Rodgers' Brett Favre, they wouldn't be offering, and they thought they'd get four firsts for Aaron Rodgers. Why wouldn't you build around the young kid, right? So, so like, look, that is what it is. But let's say they want to go and bring someone in for depth. They could draft someone. Or, Mike T, they, there's Mitch Trubisky maybe floating around out there who's looking pretty good now that you look in retrospect at what he was dealing with in Chicago when he went to the playoffs twice. There's Carson Wentz, who's soon to be cut, it looks like. Could they go that route? I, I would go younger because I'm going to spend every dollar I can on keeping Devontae Adams, making sure that offensive line is as good as possible. So I'm filling needs with my cap dollars, and I'm drafting for the future. So, you know, there's no way he's coming back without Devontae Adams. So we got to get that deal done, not on a franchise tag. So I don't know if I'm investing money in the Trubisky's of the world. I'm, I'm probably going to look for the next guy. And, again, this draft maybe doesn't have the front-line guys, but there are some – really intriguing guys um again i think malik willis to me he may not be ready in year one but boy you know watching him in mobile at the senior bowl he has some real tools and i think he has a high ceiling yeah you want to certainly if you have the opportunity ron wolf will draft it as you mentioned before mike he would take quarterback he felt like there wasn't enough quarterbacks to take and if there's a guy that's hanging in that low round that low first round second round type situation that you feel good about you go ahead and you pull the trigger on him. Devontae Adams is there. I think you're okay at the receiving core now. I don't think that there's a problem for Aaron Rodgers there. Running back is solidified. Maybe you get some help in the secondary on the defensive side of the ball in the draft or free agency. But for the most part, your team is set ready to go. That's why the quarterback is important to land and get. Um, And I think they'll go all in and do what they need to do to make sure that Aaron Rodgers stays. Mike, can you, can you define what? Explain to me what all in means. Can you break that down in detail? Yeah, it, it's really what, whatever it takes. And to me, it's like, again, Devontae Adams comes back. You know, we're not franchising him. And then on the other side of the ball, look, they've done a nice job adding guys, you know, last couple of years, like Zadarius Smith, uh, Devondre Campbell. And what I would be doing is. 
they're not going to have a lot of dollars to spend in free agency just because of the way they're built. Mm -hmm. But to the extent they can or restructure some contracts, I would allocate any dollars I could and push cap charges into the future to maximize the room they have so they could fill the the needs. And to me, when you look at this team, like it's going to be the offensive line. It's going to obviously make sure that Adams comes back. And then obviously if you could add – Another corner, you know, that's going to be, you know, Jari Alexander is one of the best corners in the NFL. But on the other side, you know, they may have a couple of young guys, but I would try to add another corner if they could. And that would give them the best chance to get back to the Super Bowl. So, Mike, Adam Schefter said that they will use the Saints model. And that's why I guess I was trying to get to that. What does that look like when it comes to buying into future years of the salary cap? Yeah, so basically what you're going to do is you're going to take base salary, you're going to convert that to signing bonus, you're going to push out those charges to future years to create more room. And to go back to Key's point earlier, the best way to do that is if someone's making $20 million, you give them a $1 million in base salary, a $19 million signing bonus, you prorate that into future years, and then you lower the cap charge this year significantly. And then at some point, those future years come due. Um, but it just keeps your window open short term. And, and that, to me, would be the appropriate strategy if Aaron Rodgers comes back. But to me, what you have to do, and what I've been in those situations, is you have to sit down and in, in detail and say, by creating this room, here are the specific players we're going to try to acquire. Yeah, and if, and if those, that cap charge comes due, I'm probably going to be fired by then anyway. Because mm. all I'm going to do is keep pushing it off, pushing it off, pushing it off. You know, the front office may not be there, and you look at the Saints situation, Drew Brees goes off to the sunset, much the way Aaron Rodgers would. So, guys, the Rams were not the only ones who won a title over the weekend or won a championship round. That's next. Keyshawn J. Willemax, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Israel Adesanya, the UFC middleweight champion. And he joins us now live in studio. What's up, champ? What up, up, baby? What's up, man? What's up? What's good? Man, he's out here trying to look like you, out here fresh, man. Yeah, it's early, man. Got to stay crispy. (laughs) (laughs) It's cold in New York, so, you know, stay stay icy. Ah! And UFC middleweight champ Israel Adesanya is giving you the straight talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. So, Israel, I, look, the UFC, when you, people perceive it a certain way. There's the champion. He's favored. Adesanya's going to beat Whitaker. Mm. You know, Adesanya's special. Whitaker's a nice fighter, but I, I don't think people realize, when you are defending your title against the mandatory, against the number— you are like it's anyone's game. Like throughout most of that fight, everyone in the UFC is a de facto one punch knockout artist because of strikes, because of submission holds, chokes, the whole thing. 
Tell me about your latest title defense. Mm-hmm. It was close and competitive. You won, but I, that was a tough fight, it looked to me. Yeah, um, for me, say later on, he started to adjust, um, especially his jab. He um, went from double jabs to triple jabs, and that's when he, he touched me up later on um, when I was exiting to my right. And I haven't given him credit for it. But um, when you're this dominant, this is starting to remind me of like um, Anderson Silva at a certain point when he was so dominant and, you know, levels above his um, peers, if you will, quotations. Uh, so people, anytime anything happened that was maybe someone landed a leg kick or someone even landed a punch, oh, my God, you know, it's 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 bigger than it's it seems. You know, he you kind of make them look human. But I'm like, hey, I never said I was superhuman. I am human. I just uh, I make everyone else look like, eh. Jay knows this from boxing because Jay's a big boxing fan mm-hmm. from way back. Is that is right? Sometimes if the underdog in a fight in a, does a little more than people are expecting, they get like not a sympathy round, but naturally it's human nature to give that guy the round. He because mm-hmm. he exceeded expectations. I was going to ask you. So with a target on your back, you signed the most lucrative deal in the sport. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that mean to you? Um, it still hasn't hit yet. I, I thought maybe after this fight it'll hit, it'll, it'll settle in, but um. Still hasn't hit yet. Um, and that was because I was focused on one thing, and that was Whitaker. Um, I had to make sure I got the job done because if I didn't, I mean, imagine that, signing a new deal, uh, being the new face of the company, and then next thing you know. And no gimmies in the UFC. No, yeah. not in the UFC. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll edit that. This is, ah, don't worry. Yeah. Sorry, Mickey. You yeah. can handle it. Uh, but, um, Welcome yeah. to the Octagon, Mickey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, it's, um, you know, when I put that, I put that on myself, that pressure, I put that on myself just so I get to feel that. And then when I strive and achieve that, then it just feels that, that much sweeter. You know what I mean? Mm. Is your, tell me where you got the, the nickname, the last style, the last style. It's a dope fly nickname. I appreciate that. Um, it just, it spoke to me because, um, the, the anime, the avatar, the last airbender, um, watching that. And seeing Ang's journey as the avatar, I realized that, man, in this game, I can be the avatar of this game, mastering all the elements of martial arts to realize my destiny. Um, just the way Ang had to master all the elements to realize his destiny as the avatar. And it just kind of made sense for me because also being a style bender, like, I'm able to adapt and overcome to any different style. And you can see it's just, it's just in, my, in my flow. I just assumed it was about the flow because you can go orthodox southpaw, you know, with the hands, with the legs, yeah. and and it seems like uh, like you know Bruce Lee that it goes around on social media now, yeah. right? But it's be like water, right? Like you have that kind of style. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is um, MMA, and that's one thing you should be able to do. Like the last time I fought this guy, we didn't even use the game plan. I called an audible. Uh, this is back in Melbourne. I called an audible with my team, and they trust me enough to just go with the flow. And this time, my coach was really adamant that we stick to the game plan. So even when I wanted to call the audible, I didn't ask my coach in the corner what dropped him in the first round because I didn't want to focus on that. I didn't want to focus on the past. But in hindsight, I should have because I was feeling really good southpaw. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm touching him up southpaw, so I should have just stayed southpaw. But I just didn't want to call the audible, so I stuck to the game plan with my coaches. Okay. I sometimes talk to Dana if there's a very popular fighter who lost, right? And there have been a couple. I Listen, this is the UFC. Yeah, you fight all the top guys eventually. And I'm always like, hey, listen, don't put him in an immediate rematch, right? Like, build his confidence, da da da. But when, but Dana's response to me and fighters in the UFC response to me is like, this is the UFC. Mm. I could lose to the 15th ranked dude just as quick as I could lose to the, so might as well go after the big fight, right? Mm. That said, favorite over Whitaker. It was tough, close. You won. Mm-hmm. 
I know what your stance is publicly about Usman, mm-hmm. but in terms of super fight opponents, mm. he would be one. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you about him, and let me put it this way. Under what circumstances would you fight Kamaru mm. Usman? F***ing hell, my man went straight for the jugular. That's what uh, he does. That's Max <laughs> Kellerman. Max Kellerman, I bet. Um... See, me and Usman have talked about this, and we've said we don't want to fight each other. We're on record saying we don't want to fight each other. It's just his greedy peanut head manager that keeps, you know, yapping, you know, blah, 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 this and that, rah, 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 rah. But, I mean, Usman's my brother, you know, and, you know, sometimes brothers fight. But this is bigger than us. This is honestly, for me, it's bigger than us. It's like two Nigerian. This right now, this is a moment in history that will never be forgotten. You've got Francis Ngannou, heavyweight champion from Cameroon. Myself, middleweight champion from Nigeria, and Kamaru Usman, welterweight champion from Nigeria. Right now, the three kings. What we're doing, and there's only, I think, just over 20 fighters from Africa, the great continent of Africa in the UFC. And to have three champions, it's astonishing. And we are ruling our divisions with iron black fists. So it's bigger than us. It's, I'd rather have two champions from Nigeria than just one. But when you're talking about, you know, I, I understand what Kamaru says, or um, what's his name, Ali says about competing against each other and uh, I saw something last week about Kamaru saying that, you know, we're going to have to talk. And that's something that we, we would have to do if, I mean, hold up. How much is $50 million in Naira? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was going to ask you. I was saying, what's the price tag? Yeah. You know, I want mean, you know, to say something about that. First of all, stylistically, really interesting. The guy whose foundation is wrestling versus striking the whole thing. Mm. Joe Frazier and Kenny Norton. Two great heavyweights in the 70s were friends, same manager, never fought each other. They say mm. they wouldn't, they didn't. Obviously, the Klitschko brothers mm. never fought each other. But the interesting thing in boxing mm. is when you have stable mates or real close friends who fight each other, one of two things happens. Either it's basically a sparring session, they, they just keep it, or it is the most brutal, right? Mm. It seems to be one or the other. What kind of fight would that be, you and Usman? Let's not even put that out there yet because this is just Fugazi. We're just talking. Of like, course, yeah. this is what I know. do. Hey, fantasy, fantasy. This is, my guy. This is, you see this, this guy. I, <laughs> I got to make sure. Exactly. Sports radio, man. But, but you know, um, that's like I said, something that me and Usman have to talk about. But right now, it's just not on the table. I already have Jared Cannonier, who did really well last weekend, and I told him, I told him after the um, the weigh-ins, like, look, can you take care of this guy, please? Because I want some fresh meat, and I'm glad I got some fresh meat. June. Uh, pay-per-view, whatever one, or maybe even July, I don't know, but we're going to figure it out. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm focused on. And Kamaru's also got a, a tough opponent next, Leon Edwards, who's the dark horse in the division. Who He's already beat, but Leon has gotten better leaps and bounds. And I, I feel like they're both um, in a similar situation with me and Whitaker, you know, in the welterweight division. I believe that fifty million is twenty billion in Naira. Just, ah, just that sounds no good. Like that, right? sound, twenty B sounds 20 different. Bs, yeah. but, like Squid Game, the yeah, number just, the, yeah. when you do the conversion and the numbers, it, it sounds big. Yeah. Carry the five. Yeah, yeah. The, mm. just keep moving the zeros down. Exactly. Before you get to we'll the decimal see. We'll point. see. But um, I do want to ask you this though, because uh, I'm curious. You, you talk about the last style bender. Do you consider mm-hmm. yourself the hero, the villain in the sport? Uh, there's no good guys or bad guys. I said that this camp. I said that in the, in the press conference. Like, everyone likes to have that story. Like, oh, he's the good guy. Or he's the bad guy. Like, maybe back in the attitude era of the WWE. Look, people are people. And we're, we're capable of great good or great evil. Mm. So there's no good or bad guys. We're just people and we do good or bad things, you know? Um, depends on how my, uh, like, last time I fought Whitaker, right? This was uh, in Melbourne. He was the hometown hero, the the country man, right, right, right. And I came and stormed his his um, his land, and I was the villain. 
So guess what? I played into it. You know, I was the heel. I went full heel like Hoodville. You know what I'm saying? But um, this time, I felt like I already whooped his ass. So people were kind of like, you know, I was the protagonist in a way. Um, but I'm not too attached to it. Whatever, whatever it is, booze or chairs, it's all energy. It's all energy, and I use it as fuel to the fire. It's, it's, it's octagon skills plus mic skills, and Israel Adesanya has them both. I'm just rapping, man. I, I, we yeah. appreciate it. Thanks for stopping by, champ. Respect, champ. Yes, thank you, man. Best of luck. That. Love and respect, man. Always. Thank you. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. Now we have Kyler Murray. He doesn't follow the Cardinals anymore. If you are part of the Cardinals organization, what are you thinking right now? We've given this dude everything that he needed to be successful. If he hasn't been successful, that's a him problem. Why would you not follow your team that you play for on social media? Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider with us. Guys, it is time to play Better, worse, or the same with Kyler Murray, where we take teams one at a time and ask, would they be better, worse, or the same with Kyler Murray as their quarterback? Evan, take it away. Yeah, we did this last week with Russell Wilson. We're going to do it next week with uh, Carson Wentz. So here we go. Kyler Murray, better, worse, the same. Mike, start with you. The Packers, they better, worse, or the same with Kyler Murray instead of their current quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. One of the very few. They're worse. Give me Aaron Rodgers. You guys have the rest of the planet. Key. Worse. Worse with the Packers. I'm, I'm, I'm game with that. I'm taking Aaron, Aaron Rodgers all day long. Of course, worse. But if the option is no Aaron Rodgers or who you're going to put there, I'm going to say this dude probably gives you your best option. So Kyler Murray, a Texas high school star, one of the best high school f- football players in Texas at Allen High School, went undefeated. So if he's going back to AT&T Stadium with the Cowboys, better or worse or the same than Dak Prescott, Mike? Oh, this one's tough. I love Dak, but I gotta go with Kyler. And, uh, Tell him, Mike. Boy, that is that is a tough one, Evan. That's an early fastball. I gotta go with Kyler. I, I would say the same. Uh, shotgun formation. Dak Prescott rarely is underneath the center. They like to use a lot of gun, three, four wides. That's the only reason why. It has nothing to do with the quarterback as much as it do the system and the style in which the Cowboys like to run. Mike T, I might I might have to go with you on this one. 
Just imagine with with that running game, with those wide receivers, with the dual threat that Kyler Murray can bring to that team. You talk about the Cowboys being America's team. Oh, I go with Kyler Murray. As long as Kyler Murray is on the field, I think he's better than Dak Prescott. I think Prescott is the last stop before you get to the differently talented dudes, and I think Kyler Murray's one of them. He doesn't stay on the field, but I'm still going to say better because when he's on, he's, he'd make them better. Kyler Murray, 9-0 and in games played at AT&T Stadium, so they'd go 17-0 every year if he was yeah. there. <laughs> the Raiders with new head coach Josh McDaniels. Is Kyler Murray better, worse, or the same as Derek Carr, Mike? Absolutely. Now, look, Derek Carr, I thought, had a great year, especially from a leadership standpoint, but from a skill set, a ceiling standpoint, that's not even in the same stratosphere. I'm, we're much better off with Kyle Murray in Vegas. I'm going to go worse because of the system that Josh McDaniels is going to run. Kyler Murray has never taken a snap, under meaningful snap, under center in the National Football League. You're asking Josh McDaniels now change his style and his approach at the quarterback spot, given the fact that he's only had trees. I can go to Matt Castle. I can go to Tom Brady. I can go to Mac Jones. Now you want him to deal with a much smaller player with a much different skill set. We saw the way that went with Cam Newton's skill set. That's not what Josh wants to do. They're worse off team than Carr. He took the job because of Carr. Yeah, I'll probably lean to go again with Mike T on this one. I, I hear what Key is saying about the, the style in which Josh McDaniels will have, but I still think at the end of the day that Kyler Murray is a different quarterback than Derek Carr. Yeah, I think Derek Carr is like, like um, I put him a little below Dak, but like toward the top end of the last stop before special, I think Kyler Murray is special better with Kyler. All right, since Tom Brady's like in this never say never, maybe he's going to come back, maybe <laughs> not thing. Never Kyler Murray or a 45-year-old Tom Brady, better or worse or the same, Mike? Yeah, boy, tough one. I got to go with Tom. I mean, he's the GOAT. And uh, if we're saying for the next three years, I'll go with Kyler. But if we had one game, one season, I'm going back with Tom. I'm going to say worse. No matter how you look at it in the situation, again, System matters. Style matters. And this is not the style nor the system that Kyler Murray thrived in. This is the system that Tom Brady would thrive in. Jameis Winston had success in. Byron Leftwich is an amazing offensive coordinator. But when you are used to one style, and that is all you know, it's very difficult to switch to try to help the deficiencies of the guy replacing the guy. Yeah, I'll go with Tom Brady. I'll go with the guy that finished second pretty much in the MVP voting. That's, that's an easy choice for me. Yeah, I'm not. I'm the idiot who was talking about the cliff. 45, he showed no signs of slowing down. I would say that as special as Kyler is, the odds are practically zero that he will ever be as good as Tom Brady will be next year because Tom Brady's the best who ever did it. So the answer is worse. How about another Oklahoma quarterback? Jalen Hurts, Eagles. Kyler Murray, better or worse or the same, Mike? No, there's nothing to talk about here. I mean, Jalen Hurts is sort of intriguing, but like – you know, we're talking about middleweights versus heavyweights here. Give me Kyler. I'm going to say the same. I'm going to say the system allows Kyler Murray to do some of the same things in a young Jalen Hurts. Kyler Murray is a better thrower of the football than Jalen Hurts, but it's essentially the same thing. He's got to get better Jalen Hurts at delivering the football. I don't think that it's significantly better. I think they're about the same in this particular system with the Eagles again. You're only going to see the gun out of the Eagles, not a guy underneath the center, which plays right into Kyler Murray's hands. Yeah, I'll go with Kyler Murray. That's easy for me. I think the accuracy is different. Uh, and I think Jalen Hurts, even though he's younger, I think Kyler Murray has a bigger upside. 
Um, I saw Jalen Hurts flash against Kyler Murray actually in his rookie year. I, what, that made me think, ooh, look at these two going back and forth. I think Jalen Hurts has a problem seeing the middle of the field. That's what it seems like to me when I watch him. Um, and, and Kyler Murray is a better version, so I'm taking Kyler. Seahawks, Russell Wilson. Kyler Murray, better, worse, or the same, Mike? Ooh, I'm going with Russell just because he's done it. He's got pelts, and uh, I love Kyler, but give me Russell Wilson. I'm going to say same again. The system allows him to do what he needs to do. Stay in, stay out of, underneath the center, play in the gun, and he got some pretty good pre- per- perimeter receivers and Metcalf along with Lockett. I think it'll be pretty much the same. It's a wash right now. Yeah. Uh, look, I mean, talk about over the last couple of weeks, how much are we undervaluing Russell Wilson? I mean, a lot of people thought he was washed. He did have a hand injury this year. I think Russell Wilson's better than what people are giving him credit for. And seeing him on different teams, I'll go with Russell Wilson on this one. Russell Wilson, main, I, I, like, look, Kyler Murray's got to stay on the field. He's got to show the ability to do that. He really hasn't been healthy for a full season yet in his career. Russell Wilson, until this year, was only under 10 wins in a season once when he won nine games. It's Russell Wilson. All right, two more. Ready? Let's go quick here. Dolphins, two with Tunga Vailoa. Better or worse of the same than Kyler Murray, Mike? Not even the same stratosphere. It's Kyler Murray by a long shot. I would say better, no no question. Yeah, better. Better, Easy. better. All right, last one. The guy who won the Heisman the year before Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield. Better, worse, or the <laughs> same, Browns. Mike? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's easy. I mean, you're talking about the JV versus the varsity here. Give me Kyler. Again, again, better. Similar trait system allows him to be who he is. Much better. Evan, how do you even keep a straight face while asking that question? That's that's more important. How, about, than the how question does Mike itself. keep a straight face? He said JV versus varsity. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, do, do, do you guys watch the same games I do? What, what guys height deficient? Speed Mike, deficient? the games are a little late. I don't. Yeah, the the answer is Kyler Murray. He is. I mean, Baker Mayfield's a pretty good thrower of the football. But he lacks speed. At that size, you got to have speed. Kyler has it, so they would be better with Kyler Murray. All right, you guys went so quick. Here we go. Titans. Ryan Tannehill, better or worse oh, or the same as Kyler Murray, Mike? Quick answer. I'm a, I'm a big, big Ryan Tannehill fan, but with that said, give me Kyler. <laughs> yeah, ba- Baker, I mean, uh, Tannehill, I'm going with Murray for sure. Way to build him up, Mike, and then break him down. I'll go with Kyler <laughs> as well. <laughs> Kyler. Tannehill is not special in the way that Kyler is. They get better with Kyler. Mike's going to stick around. We just mentioned Tom Brady. Keyshawn J. Will and Max, ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn J. Will and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.